I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's Tour Catch-Up. Sasha Zverev brings home the gold for Germany. Belinda Bencic battles to women's glory for Switzerland. And Kasper Ruud makes it a title hat-trick in Kitzbühel. Kim, another dramatic week on the ATP and WTA tours. The Olympics have been and gone in tennis. We know all of our medalists and I think... The biggest, the biggest talking point is probably a certain Novak Djokovic not being on the the medal podium in the men's singles or even the the mixed doubles. It was really dramatic. It was a really dramatic event because it all seemed to be going quite swimmingly for him. He was, you know, doing lots of meet and greets in the Olympic Village, but he had one day, he had two matches, and he lost two matches in a row. He did. It was um, it was not Novak's time when it came to the end of like, this <laughs> Olympic tournament. We thought he had it sewn up and it all kind of changed all of a sudden, really. And, and especially in that semi-final, Joel, he was a set up 6-1 and we thought, gosh, he's just, you know, well on his way to Olympic gold. And then it all turned around <laughs> and he's he's left Tokyo with zero medals and possibly a bit of a shoulder injury as well. So... Not to be a golden slam for for Novak this year. No, and it wasn't even a it wasn't even going to be a bronzed slam. I thought you know he was going to you know although he he'd lost that um you know that match against Verev in the semi-finals. Uh, I thought you know he was going to you know walk through PCB and get a bronze medal, but even that even that wasn't the case, and it really turned dramatically quite you know quite sour. I think quite quickly, and you know it, it's you know, this is sport and things can take a turn of the worst in an instant. And for Djokovic, for someone who's had such a, you know, good season, you know, is considered one of the greatest of all time, he can still have his have his off days. And I think the, the more I kind of look back on, particularly, I think the men's tournament and the fact that, you know, it it is a best of three tournament. Forget that it's the, the Olympic Games. The fact that it is best of three, it is not best of five. Even the final is not best of five from this edition onwards. It did, I think, make it more, you know, it did make, I think, Djokovic more vulnerable, I think, to an upset. Yeah, I think, you know, it's more like a master series. And we always, you know, there was always vulnerability that he might lose to someone like Medvedev that, you know, we pretend, were potentially saying he might be the only one. But yeah, t- the fact that Zverev has beaten Novak isn't really a surprise. We know he's beaten him at other events, you know, at master series. I think, yeah, if it had been a yeah best of five, totally different story. But I think, you know, midway through that second set, I think, you know, things just started to gradually turn and perhaps Novak got a bit comfortable, you know, he was 6-1 and then, you know, he was thinking, oh, I just need to get a few more games. I'm, I'm into the final. 
you know, at least guaranteed a silver medal. And, and that's where it all unraveled. And then he was quickly on his, on his, not on his way home, but on his way into a third bronze medal match, uh, at, at him, you know, in his Olympic history. And, um, I mean, for me, what was even more surprising, Joel, is the fact that Novak didn't even win the bronze medal match. And we had Pablo Carreno Busta <laughs> beating him, which, I mean, I was really wanting, you know, PCB, you know, to win a medal for Spain. I think, you know, he's been one of those players that, you know, he's got to two slam semis now has been kind of there or thereabouts. I want him to do well. And the fact that he was able to get a, a medal defeating Novak Djokovic, I was so pleased for him because that was, you know, obviously the win of his career. And um, but that was, I think, what really surprised me the most, as opposed to, I guess, the Zverev loss. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say with, with PCB because, you know, he got a bit of stick, you know, from Nick Kyrgios. Um, and uh, I, I was wondering when when he beat Novak Djokovic, what Nick, what Nick Kyrgios was thinking, because, yeah, he gave him some stick earlier on in the uh, earlier on in the season on, on social media. I mean, to be honest. I feel like every tennis player at the moment is getting stick, you know, Casper Ruud as well, which we'll, we'll come on to in a bit. But um, yeah, it was a very impressive, impressive win. But it was a bit of a shame, I think, for for Djokovic because, you know, we talked about the, the, the Golden Slam. And I think, you know, again, we've seen just how hard it is to achieve that. And still, the only person to achieve a Golden Slam is uh, Steffi Graf. And it's still just something that is just so, so difficult. And I think what's interesting here is that the fact that the Olympics, it was in between the U S open and, you know, and Wimbledon and, you know, he had to make that, that decision. And, you know, a lot of kind of comparisons made to that kind of Steffi Graf run. And the fact that when she did it, the Olympics was at the end. And I think in that position where you've already won all four grand slams, you can almost go into the Olympics with a bit of a, you know, your mindset is, I think, a bit more relaxed. You know, you've won all the majors in, in tennis. And now, you know, the, you can just go and just kind of swing and see, and see where it takes you. And it's, it's almost like, I think, a little bit of a bonus. But I think with here, what I think has made it so difficult for Djokovic is the fact that it's in this really busy period. And it's in an awkward period as well. Because, you know, bef- before it happened, there was lots of umming and ahhing. You know, Djokovic was even debating whether to even chase a, a golden slam in the first place. And I think, you know, the fact that this has been put in at such an awkward time where he has had to go, you know, he has had to kind of fully commit in order to achieve the grand slam, uh, sorry, the golden slam, he's going to have to win it en route as well as the US Open afterwards. I just think it had made it a bit more difficult. And, you know, he couldn't, he ultimately, I think, couldn't deal with the, you know, the pressure that I think you know came with the situation. And, Again, another big talking point about Novak Djokovic this week has been around some of his kind of comments in, uh, particularly in his uh, in in the uh, aftermath of his defeats, talking about the fact that pressure is a privilege, and if you want to be the best in your sport, you need to be able to handle this pressure. Now, from judging on on kind of social media, these words were sort of taken out of context and applied to other athletes in other sports like Simone Biles for example but he was talking about this in in relation to the the golden slam but again I think even for Novak Djokovic one of the you know the mentally you know mentally one of the toughest athletes of of all time really even here that the pressure just got to him and and I don't think yeah I mean the conditions might not have helped but certainly yeah it was a very very tough battle 
to you know to do to achieve it and i still just wonder whether mixed doubles was the right call and whether he should have just focused on the singles and that's it yeah i mean in hindsight possibly mixed doubles wasn't great especially if he did have perhaps a niggling shoulder injury mm. you know he's played a lot of tennis of late and although he is supremely fit you know does still kind of catch up with you um, obviously, he ends up pulling out of the mixed doubles semi, semi a bronze medal match, um, much to you know the shame of, of his partner Stojanovic, because you know she was denied the, the chance even to go for that medal. So I did feel sorry for her, um, but I mean you can't blame Novak for trying. Yes, the pressure may have got to him a little bit. He was obviously getting very frustrated. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, talking about him smashing the racket and th- throwing the racket into those empty seats. I was quite impressed with how far he was able to throw that. I mean, that was, you know, that that was again a of I think a video that really kind of went viral across. Mm. You know, a lot of people saw that, and you know, to be honest, as tennis fans, we, you know, we know we've known Novak Djokovic. We've seen this happen before. We've seen that obviously happen at the U.S. Open where he got kind of defaulted, and you know, sometimes he is one of those players. I think that sometimes he just needs to get angry to in order to kind of play his best tennis but you know there are going to be people out there who are going to look at that and think you know if you're the world number one in your sport that's not a good look for you and I, I'm pretty sure kind of reading some of Rafa's Rafa's comments in, in Washington asking for his response he he, did, he didn't I don't think he appreciated the the look it gave tennis no I think hurling your racket into the stands yes they may be <laughs> and there's no player there's no people there I just don't I think that's a step too far I can understand smashing your racket which I I disagree with anyone who does smash a racket but hurling it in you know several meters I'm not a fan of that at all but um you know I don't want to dwell on that I I think you know perhaps PCB was getting under his skin you know Novak managed to win that second set tie break and then quickly went three love down and you know obviously that wasn't supposed to happen was it you know you thought Novak would like steam through that third set um so pcb is obviously a bit of a bogeyman for novak because he was the player that you know uh, won against Novak from that default last year at the us open so perhaps it's you know it's sort of weird that it was against him um <laughs> but you know djokovic you know he from his whole olympic career up to date he's got a bronze medal from 2008 and he'll be thinking you know i've played in a few more olympics since then and i haven't got any other medals you know what's what's going on do you think he'll regret going to Tokyo, given the way it's panned out? I mean, ultimately, he's put in maximum exertion in really tough conditions. Mm. We've spoken about the humidity factor. I think, you know, the times of the tennis had to change because, the, the you know, it was just too brutal. I mean, Medvedev, in his own hilarious way on, on the court, was like, you're going to have to carry me off in a box at some point if, you, if you're asking me to keep playing. Um and and the fact that he has put, put all this effort in in the singles and the mixed doubles, nothing to show for for either of them. Do you think then you know he might look back and you know will there be a sense of regret? You know, particularly if you know he's aggravated or a shoulder injury has come up and it's hampered his his preparations going into Flushing Meadows. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how bad the injury is. I think also Novak and injury, they, we know there's history there as well as whether people <laughs> sort of believe it. Um, I, I do, th- I mean, hopefully for Djokovic fans, it hasn't like affected his, his chances at, at Flushing Meadows, even with a slight kind of issue. I'm sure he's still, you know, the hot favourite. And I think obviously out of the two, he'd probably rather win, you know, the calendar slam and win the US Open as opposed to the Olympics. I still think the Olympics is a bonus. Like, mm. I just, 
you know, I, I think that, you know, just watching it here, yes, yes, I, I get that it's a really great moment to win for your, you know, win for your country. And I think it's, it's a fascinating time at the moment, I think, with regards to tennis and representing your country. Because, you know, for example, the Davis Cup is in a, of what I feel, you know, is a state of transition at the moment with this sort of new format, um, you know, in, in one venue, I know it's sort of expanding out. The Fed Cup as well is sort of going and under, you know, transformation with the, you know, the Billie Jean King Cup. And as a result of that, yes, I understand the Olympics probably at the moment is probably the most meaningful national, you know, representing your country competition in, in tennis. But at the same time, I still, I still would rather win a Grand Slam over a gold medal but i know that i know there's going to be a lot it's probably a, a lot of uh you know there's going to be a lot of people i think either side of that argument yeah i think for someone who's done it all like you know like novak he's won everything mm. there is to win you know this is a nice added bonus but it's not the be all and end all whereas for some players you know this is their defining moment of their career like we saw with monica puig in 2016 and and that that will be something to be cherished above everything else so for me, yeah, I would rather win a Grand Slam if I had to choose, but I would never say no to a gold medal uh, because, you know, it's just, um, it is still an amazing feat. Um, to some, an event that only happens, you know, once every four years, you might only ever get one chance to play there. I mean, that is very true. And and, and just before we go on and talk about the, you know, the final um, and Sasha Zverev versus Karen Kachanov, where does this, I think, leave us on the, I just want to talk about the, you know, the big three and the kind of the GOAT debate, because... Are there going to be people out there? As you said, this is a once in every kind of four years opportunity. And regardless of how many Grand Slams Djokovic has won, uh, you, know, the, you know, the only I think the only one to have won uh, two of each, um, you know, of Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon and the US Open. The fact that he still hasn't got that gold medal and it feels feels un- unlikely. I'm sure we will see him in, in Paris in 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 2024 um but do you think at the moment that's still a a weakness in his sort of greatest of all time debate well i mean i think a for a start in three years time he may very well win a medal yeah yeah, he could (laughs) win the gold medal in paris so it's not at all impossible um i mean i don't think it's i think that you know we'd be looking at the atp finals at the end of the year probably above the olympics i think some people would be looking at that as as you know more of of a defining sort of um option when when you're kind of having this debate but I mean as a Rafa fan I'm really chuffed that Rafa's got both <laughs> a gold in singles and double so let's I'm just gonna leave it at that and, and be diplomatic <laughs> because well yeah you know, it was obviously I mean I think you know I mean I'm a big fan of the Olympics and all the different sports so um for me I I do I'm more of a, a positive um I'm looking at it from a more positive way and I mean, let's just talk about the final itself because we had Zverev against Karen Hatchinov, who I think was continuing his good form from Wimbledon, um, making his way nicely through the draw, getting some good wins. Um, but when it came up against Zverev in the final, he didn't really have an answer. It was very comfortable for Zverev, 6-3, 6-1. And, you know, Zverev is exactly the sort of player that I suppose was kind of if Djokovic wasn't going to win the Olympics, perhaps on to, to kind of clean up. And that that is what he did. Um, so, yeah, gold medal for Germany. I do kind of have Andy Murray feelings about this, Joel. I do think this is a, an important win for Zverev. I know it's not a best of five set final or competition, but I do think that this will be like his crowning achievement to date and that will hold him in good stead 
going into the US Open where he's obviously a, a defending finalist and came so close to winning it last year, but also beyond. I do think this will do good like for his career. Um, I think it might be an important milestone. Interesting, because I... I... You know, I'm. I was. I was sort of. I, you know, I was going through this in my head with regards to you know Andy Murray beating Roger Federer, and that everyone is kind. Of, everyone kind of points to that at Wimbledon when he won the gold medal in in 2012, and the fact that that was the win that gave him the belief to go on and win those. You know, win those Grand Slams, and I think what had you know the big essence to that was the fact that that final was best of five and fact that you know he beat Federer on his you know on his home turf really and on centre court was absolutely you know it was it was spellbinding but you know I, I I'm not I'm not so sure I, you know I think the fact that this was a best of a best of three final and yes he beat he beat Djokovic and I, and that was really 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 impressive given the fact that he lost that first set so convincingly 6-1 but yeah I'm not I'm not so sure in terms of whether it's going to give him that belief once you know, because now this is going to be obviously there will be a format change from that best of three to best of five, and again, I feel like you know, Zverev still has you know maybe a couple of issues with regards to closing out really big matches. We saw that at the you know the U.S. Open when he when he came up against um, you know Dominic Team. So I, I certainly hope you know for Zverev and Zverev fans that this is a spark for him to give him that belief. I'm not sure how much. I'm just not sure how much belief that is going to be compared to, for example. Andy Murray in, in 2012, given that it wasn't a best of five final, but certainly that win over a Djokovic who was gunning for gold. I think he will definitely take a lot of kind of confidence from that. But, um, you know, I think the most interesting, I think, thing that came out of this final was the fact that, you know, because it was so, like, let's be honest, it was quite one-sided. Um, you know, a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, resurfacing of conversations around Zverev and you know these domestic violence allegations which we've spoken about before on the podcast doesn't really sit well with obviously the olympics and the the values i guess that you know the olympics holds of their athletes and you know even Kim on his route to the final he paid Basilashvili uh earlier mm. on um you know there is these are awk- i mean let's we've got to be honest here these are awk- that's an awkward matchup at the olympics Zverev winning, um, you know, gold medal for some people is very awkward as well. You know, early, even earlier today, the WTA I think posted on on social media the well done to to Zverev, and then a few hours later deleted the post. So although he is a gold a gold medal winner and his tennis was absolutely flawless, you know, more or less throughout the week, it's resurfaced some really ugly I think topics um, that I you know honestly I think we're just going to be associating with Zverev for for a while to come yeah it's tricky because um you know these allegations were made and you know I don't know if we've heard an awful lot since they kind of came out um there's just been sort of a bit of a dark cloud over Zverev the second part apparently of Olya's story um is is apparently going to be coming out soon uh is is what is apparently what is is word on on the street which which is interesting timing, like after he's won a gold medal. I mean, I have to like think why why suddenly release it now? Why yep. why not, you know, say this six months ago when you kinda came out? I mean, what's Zverev supposed to do? I mean, it's not his fault that the um ATP haven't kind of done or said anything, that the ITF aren't doing anything. But he's he's a tennis player, he's going to earn his money and do his career. He's gonna play the Olympics. 
if people don't like it, I mean, what's he supposed to do? Pull out um, because people don't like it? I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do not agree at all with, you know, if, if those allegations are true with, with what has happened, obviously. But I, I don't see what else he's supposed to be doing right now. I think it's a very sticky situation that personally i think the atp you know whether they wanted to or not have let it sort of you know, they've let it go on i think this long like there's not really we've not really heard a lot about it it's all been a bit hush on un- you know hushed under the covers and you know maybe if, if another part of this story does come out you know against his you know from his ex-girlfriend in in terms of her kind of perspective we're gonna have to i guess just see how if there are further allegations, what those, those allegations are, how it gets sorted. But I think it's just, I think it just shows you that it's, it's very, it doesn't feel like this, this sort of thing is going away and it's, it probably shouldn't go away. I think it needs to be addressed head on and it just hasn't been addressed head on by anyone at the moment. And, you know, again, I think a lot of people are looking at Djokovic and looking at these kind of racket throws that kind of capturing kind of people's imaginations and are being, bandied about on social media and all the kind of the big sports publishers but this is a really big story that maybe isn't getting as much attention that arguably maybe it it, it needs more it needs more attention yeah I think the issue is as well like there there is no court case there's no legal case legal action it's very different when that's in play I mean you know, as a someone working in tennis, you know, not, we don't work in tennis, but, you know, we're just observing as fans on the sidelines. But <laughs> if you're a tennis commentator, it's your job to comment on the tennis, not to talk about allegations off court. So, yes, there is obviously still this story going around. But at the same time, you know, it's I don't really see what the kind of ideal solution is. Um mm. Because, I mean, there could be lots of players who have really awful, dark things happening in their private lives that haven't surfaced yet, um, that we don't know about. Um, hopefully there isn't, mm. but it, it is awkward. I'm sure Zverev is the last person that a lot of people would have wanted to have seen like winning this, to- this title. Um, but you can probably, I mean, I think we should probably um, wait and see what comes out maybe in the coming weeks. But I, I don't think, you know, we're going to see the ATP or any organisation do anything. They haven't done it so far. So, we, you know. No, there's not going to be some sort of rash knee-jerk decision. But maybe it needs it needs some sort of, you know, some sort of thing to, you know, light the fire paper or, or whatever to maybe kickstart something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it, it, again, it's just another part of this story and the fact that, you know, this is probably his biggest achievement to date, winning a gold medal at the Olympics where there are these values and, you know, what it means to be an Olympian. And again, um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one, but I mean, let's, let's move on to the women's uh, tournament and talk about Belinda Bencic, uh, who had a, uh, who had a memorable run, I think, to a gold medal for Switzerland. Uh, I think she's going to be a name uh, for a pub quiz answer in the future. Which Swiss player has won a singles gold? No, it's not Roger Federer. It's Belinda Bencic. She beat Vondrusova in the final. I mean, Vondrusova beat Osaka and went all the way to the final. Another really memorable one. But um, yeah, ben- Bencic really, I think, gutting it out in three sets. It was it was quite a battle. Bencic. I mean, she's not the most likable player on the tour. There was definitely some 
some medical timeouts being used arguably strategically there was a bit of you know i think there was a lot of kind of um arguably some underhand tactics going on that is probably one of the reasons why she's not the the most likable player on tour but yeah it was still a, a wonderful victory for her and you could see i think in her you know in the in the immediate aftermath after after she won that ma- that match point it was just yeah she was just so happy with the fact that she you know, she'd won a gold medal for her country yeah, I suppose you could say that both Olympic champions aren't, you know, the most well liked <laughs> on tour. Um, I saw Benchich play at Wimbledon. Her when she lost in the in, I think it was the first round actually. Um, her attitude was abysmal on court, um, which didn't exactly <laughs> warm myself to her. But um, she's obviously um, got that out of the way and has played really, really well these this last last kind of ten days, beating Mondrus for. In three sets in the finals, two and a half hour long match. Um, you know, this kind of, you know, could have gone either way, I suppose. It was, I think, yeah, three, four, um, Von Drusa was serve, about to serve in, in that third set when, when Benchich called a medical timeout, which I think a lot of, you know, people were saying that that seems a bit dodgy, uh, with the timing. <laughs> and then Von Drusa obviously lost her serve to love, um, after that. Um, now, you, you know, you can't be affected by your opponent, perhaps putting into a tactical medical timeout you've got to just focus on yourself so it's got to get on um, with it yeah exactly so it's not you know a reason an excuse you know von Drusen at the end of it was not good enough um but yeah it's fantastic for switzerland because um you know they've they've had quite a few gold medalists i suppose over the years what with hingis you know federer stan the man um so she's kind of carried on that that kind of good reign of form and she is the sort of player that like this is obviously the biggest win of her career and she may never win a grandstand. This may be the biggest title she wins. She's exactly the sort of player I would have probably said, yeah, I think she would win the Olympics. Um, Not to say that perhaps this will be a springboard for her to do better at the slams because she's been there or thereabouts. Like she's one of the players who are always saying, you know, is a bit of a danger woman in the draw, but she hasn't really gone deep at a slam yet, but perhaps this will be the, the kind of crucial step up that she kind of has needed for a long time and i mean just talking about von drusova as well getting to the final again another player another unfancied player i feel who who you know was on the map with us i think when she got to the you know the french open final a few years ago i think you know 2020 season was a complete write-off for her seems to be doing all right this season getting to the final i mean she had a kim i mean some of the things we can talk about with von drusova and her journey just to get to the final i mean remember we spoke about the fact that she used like a really obscure rule um to take the to well for some people steal the spot of carolina mukova to uh to go to the olympics in the first place she beat kiki burton's put her into a retirement that was her kiki burton's last tournament she then um she then uh defeated naomi osaka big you know big hope coming you know coming out from her kind of mental health struggles um she left Bedosa in a wheelchair amid kind of really really brutal conditions um and then she beat Alina Svitolina as well uh who you know recently married newlywed maybe on her honeymoon in Japan who knows um so she was she was just like all these like really like nice stories Von Drusova was just having absolutely none of it 
Well, um, good for her. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, it's had nothing to do with her that her opponent might have just got married or crumbled under the pressure of, you know, being the home hope. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, after we recorded our last episode, we were saying, oh, it's going to be Asaka or possibly Muguruza or Krachichkova. I think they all went out in the next round. Um, absolutely classic. Um, Asaka, you know, as well, straight sets that one was, 6-1, mm, 6-4. So Where I was not... Yeah, I did not see that like coming. Um, obviously, Osaka is there now? Question marks over her at the US Open, or is it just the fact that this was, you know, her home Olympics? All of the, you know, she was the torchbearer. She was, she was had such kind of pressure on her, and you know, we spoke about Djokovic feeling the pressure, and perhaps that got the better of Osaka as well. But you know, absolutely no shame if so. Um, but yeah, I mean, great tournament also for Vondrusova. She'll probably be a bit frustrated that she's now lost out in kind of you know, this final, as well as obviously that French final two years ago, she kind of needs to be making more of, of these opportunities. I, I would hate for her to be a perennial kind of losing finalist. I mean, she's, she's like, she's 22 years old. I feel like she's been on the tour, you know, because she had that breakthrough a few seasons ago. I think we forget. Yeah, she's still 22. She's got loads of time. Is she a future Grand Slam champion? She very well, she very well could be. And it was very impressive. I think the way, particularly the way she took out Osaka, you know, cutting, just cutting through all of that and, and focusing on her game. She really put a, a really decent match winning performance. And, um, you know, just finally kind of talking about, um, the ladies, lady singles and our bronze medalist, which was Alina Svitolina. Now she beat Rybakina in a really, really top quality match well I say top quality match the second set and the third set were some of the best tennis I thought I saw um at the you know in the Olympics um but yeah really really impressive stuff from Svitolina she had a lot of three set matches to go through including you know that match which I think again was was like two and a half hours uh really punishing conditions but you know the fact that I think we all know Svitolina is just one of the fittest players on tour and I think that's why I thought she was potentially going to be a gold medal winner because because of that um athleticism that she has coupled with how brutal these conditions were but um yeah to come to come up against Rybakina and and win that I think Rybakina will be sort of looking at herself thinking how how on earth did I, I lose that you know she had a quite a regulation volley I think in that tie break um to give her a, a match point but um yes Svitolina again just gutting it out and um I think Rybakina will I think she will need to work on how she closes these big matches because I think she will be di- disappointed she wasn't the one walking away with the bronze medal yeah she still seems a bit edgy doesn't she when it comes mm. to the the bigger matches and the bigger stages but um as she's also very very young so but I do think it's always gutting to kind of be that fourth place oh um, i know it's and just the position out. you want is it no it's probably worse than coming like seventh or eighth you know <laughs> especially because you know the more you more you think about it the number of hours you have to spend on court to get a medal in tennis is it's so much longer i think than a lot of other sports or disciplines in in the olympics it's really you know there's got there's a lot of commitment that you have to put in there and the fact that there were such punishing conditions as well yeah to finish fourth was you know would be kind of disappointing i mean looking at the doubles very quickly i mean it was quite nice i think to see we had a proper doubles team in in Krichichkova and uh, Sinyakova um win the ladies doubles they beat Goljevic and Bencic uh who <laughs> who you know wasn't satisfied i guess with getting to the the final of the uh the singles also got to the final of the doubles as well but um yeah it was, i think it was nice to see i think a, a 
kind of an established doubles team. And again, we know how well Krzyzewski has been playing recently. It was good, great, I think, to see them all Czech kind of pairing um, win, the, win the ladies' doubles. Yeah, I mean, the Czechs have such, you know, great depth in, mm. in tennis and they've been kind of the leading doubles pairing for for a while now. So it was nice to see them like actually come through. I and mean, they had to do it in, you know, quite a few match tie breaks along along the way as well. So, um, but yeah, far too strong for for Benchich and Golubic. So it wasn't wasn't to be a, a double gold for for Benchich. Um, <laughs> Could you but imagine? Quite... <laughs> Belinda Benchich, double gold. I mean, it was very much on the cards, wasn't it? Just, it was. You would not have yeah. thought that before. You would just would not have thought that before uh, before going before going to Tokyo. But I mean, you wouldn't also not have thought that the third place pair would be a Brazilian pair of L- Laura Pagossi <laughs> and Luisa Stefani. I mean, I've I, I've heard of Stefani. I hadn't heard of Pagossi, I don't think. Um, so they did really well to to beat Vishnina and Gudermatova in that bronze medal match and kind of bring home a surprise third place, um, you know, surprise bronze medal. Um, and as for the men's doubles, this kind of very much went to par um, <laughs> in terms of who won. It was, you know, Mektic and Pavic, uh, a surprise, surprise. Uh, but they came through against Cilic and Dodig. So it was an all Croatian final, which was, you know, quite amazing for Croatian fans. Um, match tie break, though, they had to come through in a, in a match tie break. But if you look at what Mektic and Pavic have won now, it's absolutely ridiculous. They came in um, already <laughs> having won eight titles, um, including obviously Wimbledon, three Master Series, and and now they have an Olympic gold. I mean, you could not have asked really for a, for a better season. <laughs> I mean, really, really impressive stuff from them. They've just, I mean, the fact that they, you know, they they came together as a team at the start of the season and have just kind of, you know, they've they've cleaned up and they, I think, are the most. Tell me if I'm wrong, Kim. I feel like they're the most dominant men's doubles team, arguably since the the Bryan brothers. I feel like that's the sort of the level you know they're they're going through. You know, we talk about the Bryan brothers in their pump when they were just winning absolutely everything. I feel like Mektic and Pavic are just are putting that sort of season together at the moment in 2021. And again, it you know it the only thing that really stopped them was coronavirus. Uh, you know, at the at the French Open when they had to unfortunately kind of pull out. So. You know, there's going to be no let up there, I think, going into the, you know, the American hard courts and obviously the, the US Open. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, there was disappointment as well for Andy Murray and Joe Salisbury. They lost to Dodig and Chilich uh, after being, a, I think, a set and a break up, actually, in their kind of quarterfinal. So I just remember Kim waking up to that in the morning. I just had a bit of a, a sad face on me because, you know, they had the New Zealand pair in the, could have had the New Zealand pair in the semis, which felt, I mean, no offence, felt a little bit like a gimme match. Um so yeah, it was a bit disappointing, but again, I think Murray and Salisbury can have their heads held high, um, given the, given the way that they performed and the fact that they, obviously they took out the number two seeds in Mahu and Ugs Eber as well at the start of the week. Yeah, no, no British medals in the tennis. It's not to be, and mm. and yeah, Venus and and Daniel getting that bronze for New Zealand in the end as well. Um, and as for the mixed doubles, we had an all rock final. So <laughs> Rublev and Pavlichenkova, they came through in a quite exciting uh, match tiebreak against Karatsev and Vishnina. They saved a match point um, to come through that. Um, they came through in quite a lot of um, match tiebreaks over, over the week. So, they, you know, they are a scratch pairing. They hadn't played together before this this tournament and, um, yeah, came came through and, and just clinched the title. And obviously for, for Rock and for the Russians, 
you know, I suppose you probably didn't care who won because you're getting gold and silver. But, you know, shame for Vishnina because I think she obviously came, she missed out on a medal in the women's doubles. And um, I'm sure she already has one from London, right? But, it's you know, it's never kind of nice mm. to just lose out. And, you know, she got to the final at the French as well, I think, with Karatsev. So they, are, they obviously had, you know, some form together. She also had that really dramatic, heartbreaking loss in the Wimbledon final. I feel like she's, I mean, her, her return has been really, really impressive, you know, given you know, what she has accomplished. But yeah, it's, I feel like she's lost a, quite a few heartbreakers um, over, uh, yeah, again, since uh, her comeback. So, um, but yeah, it was impressive, I think, from, from Rublev and Pavlichenkova, you know, winning all those kind of, ma- yeah, quite a few match tie breaks. I think we touched on it, but Kim, the, I think the most disappointing thing was that, was that bronze medal playoff. The fact that Djokovic didn't play it, Piers and Barty of Australia just were, I guess, defaulted the, the bronze medal probably not the way you want to win a win a bronze but yeah it was, I think uh, you can imagine from, from I guess from a Stoyanovich point of view she was probably a bit uh, a bit uh, gutted that she wasn't even able to kind of com- be able to compete for a medal yeah I think when she was partnered with Navak she must have thought you know Christmas mm. had come early but then it you know <laughs> kind of I guess the the downside of that is that Novak is going to prioritize I suppose his his body and his chances at the you know calendar grand slam and not then potentially play if push came to shove and, and that's what happened so um a shame for her you know nice for ash barty um and john Piers that they managed to get the medal but yeah i'm sure they would rather have actually had to play play for it um but yes that is kind of the roundup of of the olympics 2020 only got three years to wait till till the next one 2020 and 2021 i know it's, it's bizarre isn't it it's confusing what time and place we're in only three years until uh we could get to feast our eyes on, on more olympic action exactly um let's take a quick break now but do join us in the second half where we'll be looking at casper rude's three-peat in kitzbühel uh, the potential return of the hotman cup and also looking at a raffer's return in washington dc so do not go anywhere This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to, I think, a par for the courts. Is that right, Joel? <laughs> got yes. something up I've your got a... sleeve for me? Yes, <laughs> I have. Whilst you were away uh, sunning yourself on the on the south coast of Britain, I was sort of, I was sort of scheming my next par for the courts for you. Okay, I'm. Is it is it Olympic themed again? Because we had that last week. I'm. I'm. Or is it is it looking ahead to the USA perhaps? It's not Olympic themed. It's big three themed, so there's okay. a little bit of a little bit of Rafa element here. So you might you might quite like it, but I do think it is a tough one. I'm going to give you the topic, and I'm going to set a pass score for it. Um, so are you ready? Are you ready for the topic? Go on then. Yep. <laughs> Tell me. So the, topic, <laughs> so the topic is, and and the reason I'm saying this is because John Isner won the Atlanta Open, and I didn't realise that was the sixth time that he has won that event, which is crazy given. You know, I mean, that's just you know, really impressive to win a tournament six times. But my topic, Kim, is tournaments on the tour that the big three have won six or more times. And Ooh. between Nadal, Federer and Djokovic, there are 10 events that between them, they have won six or more times. And... I'm going to be I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the breakdown. 
Um, Nadal has won three events, six or more times. Federer has won five events, six or more times. And Djokovic has won two events, six or more times. So that's 10, that's 10 total. I'm going to, I think this is quite hard. I know, I feel like you, you probably will get 100% on the raffle ones, but I'm going to set the pass score. I'm going to be quite generous. I'm going to be, I'm going to set it at 50%. So I'm going to say five, and give me five tournaments between the big three that they've won six or more times. You have, you will have achieved par for the courts. Does this include Grand Slams or is it solely the ATP Tour? This is solely the ATP okay. Tour, so not including Grand Slams. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think I can get the par <laughs> score. I think I can get the par score. Possibly okay. one more than that. Um, okay. But yeah, let, let's begin then. Okay. <laughs> so, Rafa, uh, Monte mm-hmm. Carlo. <laughs> correct. Yes, correct. Barcelona. Correct. Yes, Barcelona. And Rome. Yes, correct. Uh, yep. So that's, so that's, Rafa, three. that's, Rafa, yeah. that's Rafa done. Yep. So yeah, Barcelona was 12, Monte Carlo was 11, and Rome was 10. Um, Roger Federer would be Baal, Baal, Basel, Basel, Baal. <laughs> Sounds weird. How do I say it? Basel. Basel is correct. Yes. So that's four. So one more. Oh, I think, well, Federer has won more than six times in Halle, right? That's that's kind of his other Is he saying Halle? Halle, yeah. Correct. Yes, you've achieved part Woo! of the courts. Yes, Halle, Halle and Basel um, are his top two, actually. Um, so, yeah, well done, Kim. You you have achieved part. Maybe I, should, maybe I was a little bit too generous there, um, but I'm sure you're going to try and give me some more for Federer and Djokovic. You're going to try and, try and ace it. Going above and beyond. Well, it's six and more. I mean, has Djokovic won six ATP finals? I feel like, or Federer, Federer has. I think the ATP finals will be on there for, for either one of them. I'm sure. Which, which no, I'm going to say it is for Djokovic. No, oh, then he got no. five. Oh. Uh, there's. Federer has won. You know, oh, I mean, I think we forget gosh. this. He's won six tour finals. Yeah. Oh. Um, so what yeah. What about um, my, uh, my, Miami? Has Djokovic got six Miamis? Yes, very good. Yes, Djokovic has got six Miami Masters crowns. So yeah. Uh, so there's there's three more if you can if you can get them. Two Federer ones and one Djokovic one. What else does Djokovic do? I mean, I know he's won a lot of Masters, but I'm. Would he have got six like Rogers Cups or Cincinnati? Maybe Cincinnati for Djokovic. No, so no. Federer has seven Cincinnati crowns. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and the final two were he had Federer has eight Dubai crowns. Oh, okay. Um, and the Djokovic one, which I thought was going to be very difficult, I'd be very impressed if any of our listeners got this. He's also got six. Beijing crowns. Ah, um, yeah, I would so never have got that. <laughs> cleaning up, cleaning up those. I think what five hundred events uh, where they probably got a large appearance fee <laughs> just to turn up and and win. But um, yeah, so you've got Beijing and Miami for Djokovic, the Tour Finals, Cincinnati, Dubai, Halle and Basel for Federer, and then Rome, Monte Carlo, and Barcelona for Nadal. I always feel sorry for Cincinnati because I think it's the Master Series that like has the least sort of 
kudos or like pizzazz around it. it I know it's pre US Open, but I just I never feel like that excited about it compared to, I guess, the clay ones. But maybe that's because I'm a rapper fan. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? It'll be interesting to see who who goes to it. It's such a it's such a fast event, and I think that's probably why Federer has done so well there in the past. But it's because it is so fast. It doesn't. I don't think it is one that is helpful, particularly compared to like Toronto uh, specifically. I think for this year, when it comes to like that build up for the U.S. Open, I think there might be a, quite a few players who might skip Cincinnati. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I know I know I know exactly what you mean. And anyway, Joel, we've got a really good mailbag question, which is us <laughs> looking into our crystal balls. And this is from Lisa, who got in touch via email. Um, she said, hi, guys. Simple question for you. I would like to know who is winning the gold in Paris 2024 on the clay at Roland Garros for the men and women. Um, so we're being asked to predict, Joel, our next gold medalist. <laughs> um, I assume it is definitely going to be at Roland Garros. I mean, it would make yes, sense, wouldn't it? it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, I mean, who who are you going for? Thinking three wow. years time on the clay, who's going to be dominating? <laughs> yeah, I, do you know, I, I'm i interested to hear what your views are. If Rafa's going to be there, um, uh, I've I've gone maybe rogue, but maybe I've gone in the moment. I've got Casper Ruud as your gold medal singles men's champion. And I've got Simona Halep as the ladies singles champion. Um, I just think Ruud is going to be just very very good and i know he decided not to skip to probably skip the olympics this time around but i think given his clay form and where he'll be at in three years time i think he'll be a genuine me- genuine medal contender and i think with simona halep uh yeah i don't know i just think she's i don't think she's got a medal and i feel like she probably deserves one and i you know i love seeing simona kind of fight and battle on, on a clay court and even though i think she'll be I think 32, 33 around that time. I, I'd still, I'd still back her. So yeah, I'm going to go Casper Ruud and Simona Hallett. Yeah. I hope she's not kind of past her prime then. Um, Cause I was thinking of someone a bit younger perhaps, but I think, you know, like you said, she'd still, she'd still be there or thereabouts, hopefully. Casper um, Ruud, great shout and very relevant. Um, I've gone <laughs> a bit probably more outlandish. I've gone for Carlos Alcaraz. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Which, um, I think, you know, I'm give well, he'd still only be what, nineteen then actually. That that is quite young. Um I think 19? that's probably it. Yeah, he's isn't he like sixteen now? No, he's seventeen now. So okay, he'd be twenty. Yeah. I yeah. mean that's still crazy. Yeah. Still yeah, I think maybe I, this is a bit of a very rogue prediction. Kim, I think it, it, this was the Olympics, not like the youth Olympics or... <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking Clay and then, you know, but I'll mm. give him three years to kind of develop. Yeah, um yeah. For the women, I've I've gone for a French player, which now I'm thinking, oh, it's actually at their home event. This probably won't happen because they'll crumble under the pressure. But I've gone for Fiona Ferro, um, oh, okay. who I think maybe will have the tournament of her life and and win a gold, um, and be you know the darling of the, of the French Olympics. But yeah, that's a very rogue predictions. Um, but <laughs> listeners, let us know who you think will win in three years' time. If we're still going on this podcast, we can reflect yeah. back on this. <laughs> we're going to be, we'll, we'll put up a prediction page on our, we'll put up a prediction post on Instagram so we all can, uh, we can all look back on in, uh, yeah, in 2024, probably with, probably with some humour. But, um, yeah, let's move back onto the tour because we did have a couple of ATP events in Kitzbühel and in Atlanta. Kim, let's talk about Kitzbühel first. Casper Rude. 
He's just gone back to back to back. We sensed it was on the cards. He's done a hat trick of, of titles. Nick Kyrgios isn't happy about it. I think he beat, you know, he beat Pedro Martinez, who I, I know you want to talk about a little bit in the final, uh, another kind of Spanish player. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, again, it was a very, he's just in very, very good form at the moment. He's just, he's just notching up win after win. And I know that the, I know not necessarily the rankings of the, his opponents are necessarily that high. But you can only beat what's in, in front of you. And he really is probably the the number one player at the moment, making the most of the fact that, you know, the, a lot of the tour uh, are all the way in in Japan. Exactly. And yes, he, he hasn't had to beat sort of the highest ranked players in the world. I mean, I think only two of his wins over the last few weeks have been against like players in the kind of top 80 or so. Um, but he's done what he needs to do to, to kind of get through it and, and get these titles. And you absolutely can't blame him for doing that. He wants to play tennis. He's great on clay and he's he's winning the matches that he has. So, um, and yeah, Pe- Pedro Martinez, I looked at that draw like last week and I his name just, I didn't say it at the time, but I, I was, I just thought, oh, he's interesting. Um, I've not really seen much of him before, but he perhaps he's someone to look out for. And lo and behold, he got to the final. Um, another Spaniard on clay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> he came through a really brutal, attritional match against the number two seed, Bautista Agut, which was really long, went three sets, um, was in, was impressive. So for him to go all the way through and get to the final was really good. But I mean, with with Casper, just going back onto Casper Ruud, I mean, he's the first player since Andy Murray in, in 2011 to win three titles in three consecutive weeks. So that, I think, tells you how hard that achievement is. If I mean, I'm I'm just going to put it out there. I, th- I feel like if we compare the, the the matches, even as an Andy Murray fan, I think I, I don't even think an Andy Murray fan needs to kind of say this, but probably if you look at the matches and the, the caliber of, of opponents, um, you know, across those weeks, they were probably higher with you know Andy Murray because that was probably a, you know that was a non-Olympic time. But again, he's just match. He's just winning all these matches, and it's it's going to really. I think it's obviously going to help him with momentum and. It will be interesting now, I think, to see how he adapts from this 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 clay period to the hard courts of America and whether he can continue that momentum on because the clay is now over. He needs to now get get to America and and see how he can you know make that transition. And that I think will be the that will be the critical thing in terms of whether he might be a dangerous player come uh, come New York. Yeah, I mean his rankings up. He's now going to be well. He's now number twelve in the world. He's he's top ten in the race to Durin. You know, this is his fourth title of the year. So. He's kind of got what he wanted from this chunk of the season. And yeah, like you said, he's he's got a focus on the US Open swing now. I'm sure Nick Kyrgios will be pleased that he will be back <laughs> on a hard court because, you know, there was a bit of jest on Twitter between them about, um, you know, the fact that Kyrgios didn't think, you know, these clay court events were particularly worth playing and, and Rude sort of piped up um, back at him saying, well, at least I'm out playing rather than just being at my house for most of the year <laughs> um so there was you know it's quite a, a bit of um fun between them I suppose I think it was you know fairly light-hearted but um it'll be interesting the next time they play each other I suppose mm. I think everyone yep. will be kind of looking oh, with interest at that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and I mean looking at Atlanta as well we had an all-American final uh between John Isner and Brandon Nakashima uh, Isner, as I said, won his sixth a- Atlanta title, which is an incredible achievement. He obviously loves playing there. I think, you know, it's a, 
I think there's a very, it's a very hot condition. It's very humid. I think the ball bounces quite high, makes it quite awkward. I think for that massive John Isner serve, but I mean, John Isner, I think, you know, he had a lot of matches that went three sets and, you know, to come through against Nakashima, who again is one of the form players at the moment. He's probably, he's probably like the Casper, he's doing sort of what Casper Rude was doing in Europe, but in America, he's not necessarily won kind of titles, but he's got to back to back finals. You know, he got to, um, you know, the Los Cabos final, I think, last week and lost to, to Cam Norrie. But um, yeah, I think it was a good win for, for John Isner, 7-6, 7-5. And I think experience may be told in that final. I mean, yes, Nakashima had that final, I think, against Norrie the previous week. but And and he played a better final, I think, this time round. But as I said, you know, with Isner on a hard court, given the, the, the experience and all the good memories he's probably had, uh, you know, at the Atlanta Open in the past, probably was the the result you probably would expect going into the final yeah it's a tough ask to beat Isner you know at this event which I didn't realize either he had won so many times um and he's also you know making I guess records as well because um he's the oldest American champion on the ATP tour Mm, yeah since Jimmy Connors back in the 80s um you know Isner is now like 36 and again you sort of forget that as well he is sort of of that generation so um really good win for him I was a bit upset, I suppose, that Nakashima wasn't able to, to get a title. You know, I, f- I felt sorry for him. You know, it's never like nice to kind of lose your first kind of couple of finals. You, you want to get one, you know, under your belt, don't you, and get that win. But the fact that he did, you know, he, he has improved still um, from last week against Nori. Kim, were you just really disappointed we didn't get that massive serve final between Milos Raonic and John Isner? Oh, no, definitely not. I was glad that Nakashima, you know, came through against Raonic. Actually had a good win um, mm. against Raonic in a, in a last set tie break. Um, played really well all week, actually. Um, beat Ruth Savori as well, who unfortunately had taken out Cam Norrie in, in straight sets. That was a bit of a disappointment because I thought, looking at the draw, that Cam would, you know, come through that one. He had a really good win against Nick Kyrgios as well. Mm-hmm. Like, one yeah. and four. Like, that was, yeah, I thought that was going to be a lot more problematic than it, it than than it looked but um yeah it was yeah it was um it was a good week i think for you know brandon nakashima so um yeah again i think we said it already he's just going to be one of those players people just do not want to face uh i think going further into the the american hardcourt swing um before we kind of look at the draws uh for this week uh kim there's some exciting news about the hotman cup and there are some rumours that it is going to be returning. Um, it is going to be apparently returning for 2022. We've seen, I think, at the Olympics this week, we've seen all the new mixed events with mixed triathlon, the mixed running on the athletics, in the swimming arena as well. Um, so I think that this was, you know, we, we've, we've spoken about timing, I think, on this podcast. This just feels like the perfect timing to announce the, the return of the Hopman Cup. Apparently, it's going to be somewhere in Europe. Please, can we have it in London is is my kind of plea from from Passing Shot HQ. But um, I think it's really nice to hear that, although I think in that immediate aftermath, we was, we thought kind of Hotman Cup was dead and buried. There's going to be no place for it. It sounds like there's been movements to get it back up and running again. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, we know it was always a very popular event and it was a shame to, to have lost it from the calendar. So hopefully we can find a space for it and it will kind of be relevant wherever it is put um that will get the top players there because yeah it's almost a bit of a no-brainer with kind of the mixed events and how kind of well loved they are i mean arguably it's more relevant now than ever let's be honest like sport is 
just generally sport is moving that way we've seen you know how the olympics is is innovating i think with with mixed events and yes mixed doubles has been around for for a while and and that sort of camaraderie between the you know the two tours and the fact that we just don't have that at the moment it just seems a bit of a missed opportunity and i know you know people have been saying this since ever since you know it was kind of put on the shelf but yeah really hoping to kind of see it come back there's always going to be questions of how it fits into the calendar but as i said i think now more than ever um it's it's relevance is is so it's it's higher i think it's gone up i think since you know it was uh you know put on the shelf what a few a few year, a few seasons ago so um yeah i'm 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 looking forward to hopefully welcoming it back in in 2022 sometimes you don't know what you've got till it's gone joel um <laughs> very and true that is very same true. with the hopman cup um but let's look <laughs> ahead to the tournaments that have got underway already this week um and that is the city open in washington dc which is very exciting because rafa is back um top seed at this event um also got faa uh headlining at the bottom as the second seed and we've got the likes of um well cam norrie is there again dan evans as well for british hopes um yannick sinner seb corder i think you'll be looking out at him joel mm. And, yeah. and also, Grigor Dimitrov is still the fourth seed, although I think <laughs> no one's really like thinking about him as the fourth seed, which is quite an interesting no. one. Yeah. And and Kim, uh, excitingly, it didn't happen last week. It very nearly happened. We ne- we very nearly had Nick Kyrgios, Benoit Pair uh, in, in Atlanta, but it didn't materialise. However, the draw gods have been kind to us or they've been kind to me because... All Nick Kyrgios has to do is beat Mackenzie McDonald and we've got a match between Benoit Pair and Nick Kyrgios in the second round at the City Open, which I think will just be an absolute laugh. Um, so I'm really hope I love Mackenzie McDonald, but I, I just want to see a Kyrgios Pair match in the second round. I just think that's just got that's just got a car crash written all over it. It could be highly disappointing because you're bigging it up <laughs> so much, Joe. It I might know, be awful. <laughs> um we, we also could have dan evans against potentially nakashima in the second round if nakashima comes through proper in so definitely not not your ideal kind of first match back after a bit of a break um yeah the bottom half of the draw sort of feels like it's got a bit more of an opening so perhaps someone like corda can come through as for rafa i think he's got an all right draw um i think you know, he might face Norrie sort of quarterfinal. That could be quite interesting if, if they both get there. I mean, I just hope Rafa's kind of feeling fit and good and fresh. And, you know, it's his first tournament back. So um, we haven't seen him since the French Open final, have we? So, sorry, French Open semi-final. Um, my bad. <laughs> um, so I don't have sort of massive expectations. I just hope he's feeling feeling good on the court. Yeah, it's been uh, you know, he's looked good I think in in practicing the the videos but yeah, I think it's uh I think it's a little bit of a bonus to be honest for everyone there and the the tournament just to just to have him because as you said, it feels like this is a time where normally we're there's still like niggling doubts over Nadal and his body. So, I think it's it'll be great to see him back out on court and it will be uh, fascinating to see how he goes. Um looking at the WTA side, we also have a WTA 500 event in San Jose. Now, this is interesting because Lise Mertens is the top seed. Madison Keys is there. I think Rybakina is going to be there. I'm not sure if she's dropped out given the immense kind of turnaround from her exploits in the, the in Tokyo. But uh, most excitingly, Kim, for British fans, is Emma Raducanu um, has been given a wild card 
Um, she's in the first round. She's going to play Zhang of China, which feels quite winnable. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great, I think, to see Raddy Kanu back on a court given, you know, the, lo- the last time we saw her or, or didn't see her, she, you know, it obviously was a, wasn't a great situation where she retired and she was off court. She didn't come back on court. So I think it would just be great to see her back out on court again. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see her on the WTA tour and, and see what she's kind of made of. Um, I think it's because her her management company is sort of have links to this event. She's been kind of also able to get this wild card, obviously, as well as, as her performance at Wimbledon. So um, I just, yeah, again, kind of, I don't think we should have expectations, really, because it's all very new. Um, so anything will be kind of a bonus. But yeah, certainly, I think a winnable first round match and Hopefully she's kind of put the demons of, of that match at Wimbledon behind her and it's not kind of going to affect her like long term. Um, in terms of the rest of the draw, yeah, I don't know if Rybakina will actually play. Um, it's, I think it's fairly open. Obviously, Danielle Collins got that, that title win a few weeks back, her, her first ever WTA title. But um, I mean, Putintseva, perhaps? <laughs> Tomjanovic? I'm looking at unseeded Sloane Stevens, to be honest. Um, okay. In that bottom yeah. half. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll 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 have to wait. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, very good draw. I think it's great to see tennis also back in San Jose. I think that was one of the ones that got cancelled, um, or it did, hasn't been played for a while. So um, yeah, it was great great to see. We've also got a 250 event, uh, the Winners Open, which I love, Kim. I just love that name in in Romania on the WTA tour. It is a clay event. Cornet is the top seed. Petkovic is there as the second seed. I don't, I don't know what to make of this one, Kim. Again, I think this one is very, very open, and I, you know, it very much I think could be a, I think a wild card or a qualifier again could could very easily win it. They're all winners, Joel. That's why it's called <laughs> the Winners Open. So it doesn't yes, matter. Exactly. It's just taking part that counts. Um, I think there's a girl that plays at the Rafa Nadal Academy, Alexandra. Ayala, she's got a wild card. Um, mm. They're always posting about her on the on okay. the academy uh, Instagram. I'm sure some Rafa fans probably have heard of her. So she's there in the draw. But also you've got Roos, the Romanian who um, won her first title mm. a couple of weeks back. She's been in good form, possibly one to watch. Um, but yeah, I do I do quite like the name of that event. Um, so we'll have to see <laughs> who is the real winner of the Winners Open. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on the weekend um but yeah i think that kind of brings us to a close um for for another episode um and yeah we'll be back i guess to kind of round up um rafa's first foray uh on the us open series and um all of the other action from from this week yeah listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest catch up on the atp and wta tours with the passing shot remember if you want to stay up to date on all the tennis going on with the American hardcourt swing coming up, remember to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us, make sure you hit that subscribe button and you can listen to us also on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you have been enjoying the show and you want to support the show, make sure to leave us a rating and comment as well on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Passing Shot Pod. And so you can give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Let us know all your thoughts and comments uh, and feedback. We do love to hear from everyone. Um, You can also email us as well if you prefer PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And we will be back next Sunday or Monday evening to look back on Washington and San Jose and the Winners Open 
Will Rafa's return be a triumph? We'll have to wait and see, but I hope you can join us for our next catch up and we will see you again soon. So, Kim, the fact that we have a winner's open this week, that's just crying out for an opportunity to have a loser's open. Who who is who are you give if you're the tournament organizer of, of a loser's open, what uh who you who are you granting entry? Oh, I would love to say like Nick Kyrgios, but I think it's gonna have to <laughs> be FAA because he hasn't he keeps losing finals. Oh. Or I guess maybe Julian Beneteau is the goat oh. of losing finalists. Mm. Maybe we'll do a Losers Open exhibition sponsored by the passing shot. What, so they can finally like not be a loser and win something? Yes, oh, that exhibition, no. that exhibition needs being to happen. so harsh, Joel. So we have a winner. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, we are being harsh. Apologies. We love you both. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.